Louie. Hey, Gavin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Also, happy birthday, Gavin. You, oh, yeah. You didn't die this year, so I congratulations. I am I am the youngest looking 24-year-old uh, ever. So Wow. Someone to lied to you. Yes. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Live in fear of me, everyone. <laughs> Jesus is a biscuit, and you've been sopping him up. I've okay. Been and I've been using it to get the wrinkles out from underneath my eyes. Uh, <laughs> also, yeah. I just love biscuits. We just love biscuits. We just love, I mean, uh, currently in Texas, you know who I loves know. Bis- biscuits? Texas. Texans. Texans, <laughs> hello. Oh, my God. I, I'm gagged that you're, like, so close to my hometown. Um, and from your social posts, it looks like you're having a blast. Um, I, I am. I, I uh oh real quick before we do that welcome to the mixed reviews everybody oh hi everyone um i'm just so excited to catch up with gavin and um get into maybe like like this is like a maybe our only besides our holiday episodes this is i mean i guess this counts as a holiday episode this is our you know one uh, episode that we do every year so i'm so excited to get into it but um yeah welcome i'm louis i'm gavin and, and uh, um, the mixed reviews is a show in which we uh, we talk. We usually take a film subject or an actor or a director, and we talk about what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and we mix the reviews. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, this episode is different though because um, this is either our, or I guess it's te- technically our first um, episode of the year. So we always like to take a look back at the year in film and um, talk about what we liked and what we didn't like so um yeah it's it's exciting i was talking i was telling gavin i thought i i really thought i had put up our poll from our last episode but you know what but you know what for jesus's birthday i didn't (laughs) um but our last episode was about santa claus movies um and i feel like i had a lot of good discourse with a bunch of people um about tim allen and his um presence in, in our formative years as santa claus and did, did anybody take any issue with my because i feel like my choice was maybe a little controversial but like whatever no i mean honestly i watched the trailer and i was like you know what this kind of does look good and I, I was reading a lot more i mean i feel like i did a lot of the episode after the episode i was like reading <laughs> i was reading more about these horror movies and um yeah i don't know I don't, I, I don't think so i think people um very much liked your choice as well. And I was nervous about the episode because I think I was like sick that day and it was early in the morning, but I really liked the episode. And, yeah, um, no, I liked it too, actually. I, I went into it kind of nervous as well. It's it's hard, I think, doing a subject like that because there isn't, you know, I mean, we both come from the era of, uh, you know, video stores and there's certainly not like a Santa Claus section. So right. it becomes like an interesting project to research as yeah, well totally. as to deliver. Yeah. But I think also like my favorite thing about the last episode was I realized the holidays are the perfect time to go and watch old classic movies that you just really, really love. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's certainly what I did on Christmas day. I, I pulled out like a trash gay that I am love actually in the family stone <laughs> and, you know, gather around my best gays and, um, you know, just enjoy the classics. Uh, shout out to Joe and Chris at the This Had Oscar Buds podcast. They did, for their Christmas episode, an episode about the Family Stone, 
Um, and I loved that episode. And I, I know I, I loved. I, this is not me putting down the movie at all. But I think I loved that episode more than I like that movie. Too. You are <laughs> like, trash, Gavin. You are trash. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't have any qualms about that movie. I think that movie knows exactly what it is, and it does exactly what it sets out to do. And I think that's that's great. But I I loved the discourse on it because I guess I've just never really talked with anybody about it. So it was nice. I literally, I literally was listening to that episode while I walked to my boyfriend's house <laughs> to pick up food. And then we came back to my place and watched the movie. I would like, I, so yes, same. This had Oscar buzz. Um, I was like, oh my God, guy, like you guys have to listen to this podcast about our favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> so the, the week this episode goes up, by the way, I am actually guesting on that podcast. Uh, we recorded a while ago and uh, it will be an episode about the, <laughs> the quote unquote, Michelle Pfeiffer vehicle. And I will let you listen to it as to why I'm putting that in quotes. To Jillian okay. on her 37th birthday. Mm, a classic, of course. Yes. Who could ever forget? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly everyone. Right. Uh, um, but yes, Louis, as you mentioned, so this episode of of the Mixed Reviews, I almost called us the sad Oscar buzz. This, this episode <laughs> of the Mixed Reviews is our look back at the year 2018 in film. That's film yes. with an E and an accent, also known as cinema. Yes, we are fancy bitches here. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sorry if there's been a bit delayed, and I'm sorry if this episode sounds a little weird. We're doing this in a way that we normally don't do. Uh, I'm traveling for the month. I'm currently in San Antonio, Texas, and so I'm forcing Louis to do this over the internets with me. I'm also doing um, dry January, so I'm forcing Gavin to interact with me sober, which is <laughs> heart-wrenching. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I would never do dry January. Oh, I, I was going to say, is dry January a thing? Because I've already failed. <laughs> uh, it is a thing, but I'm absolutely not doing it. That's okay. for nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. I was literally, like, I was like, shit. <laughs> no, literally, my boyfriend's doing it, but he's a nerd, so it's fine. Yeah, no, no. That's, he's great. <laughs> um, I like him, so, yeah. Um, so Gavin, let's, t I guess, let's just get into it. Let's, um, get into our rewind and let's talk about 2018. 2018 was a year. Oh wait, no, I don't, I have no way to start this. Louis, <laughs> what did you think of 2018? Um, I, I think it was a very good year in movies. I was... Honestly, digging very um, deep to figure about what like my um, one star review was going to be for this episode, and also going through a lot of like pain to like pare down my favorite movies because I just felt like there were so many good things. I think if I had to like describe the year in a cinema for 2018, like it would be nerve or, uh, or like at least in things that I loved, like I love things that just had a lot of bunch of fucking nerve. I don't know what it was about Hollywood and like movies just in general. I feel like a lot of the movies that I loved, um, just had like a lot of guts and did things kind of like out of the, out of the box. And I don't know what it was about like Hollywood or, uh, even like independent films that just had a bunch of like, it was stylish and, I, I, looking at my list of things that I loved, I'm like, man, there are things that are, you know, big blockbuster Hollywood things that I like thought were super fun and interesting. And then like tiny, tiny little things that I 
same. I, and I don't know. And they're just like literally all over the map. And so it felt kind of schizophrenic, but in the best type of way. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. I love a big swing. Um, I always appreciate a big swing. Uh, even if it fails, I, I feel like I still give some sort of credit to it. Um, I did find that backfiring a couple times this year. Not, not that often, but, but I also, I, and I think I went into the 20, the 2017 recap kind of negative. I, I still think 2017 was not my favorite year in film, but 2018 was a great year for movies. It genuinely was. I'm very positive on this year. And, and I feel like if, if there's people out there who feel that 2018 wasn't as good, they just didn't see enough stuff or they were just seeing some more of the, you know, generic stuff. And there is, there was, there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of movies that I didn't personally like that played really well that are big blockbusters. Yeah, um, for sure. But like, but there's, a I mean, like, of- I think like a, a good, um, a good, uh, like in that realm for me, like something I just watched, um, was like the new Mary Poppins movie, okay. which, which I thought was like fine. I could tell that they were like swinging big with like the big dance numbers and the big music. But personally, I just thought it was like so fucking boring. <laughs> I was like, and, and Emily Blunt is a goddess and I adore and like love her with everything in my soul. And I don't think she was a problem, but like a majority of it, I was just like, I, 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 I literally, and this is, this is like a sin. I like fell asleep during Meryl Streep's scene. <laughs> and like, I guess I'm a sleepy bitch, but also like, what? Like the movie just, and I, I, I was like in the front row at Alamo Draft House, like in their comfy chairs, like just snoozing, I, just, snoo- <laughs> just snoozing. You know, I woke up and Meryl was gone and I was like, okay, well, cool. <laughs> um, the I see I didn't see Mary Poppins Returns. I have uh, I really wish people would stop um, giving that director Rob Marshall. I I just don't I don't like his style. I usually more than more often than not I don't like the movies he makes. I think he's like I think he's probably like a really talented community theater director. Um, <laughs> that is a read, America. Yeah, but like. <laughs> But like a big budget filmmaker, because like I, I thought Into the Woods looked terrible. His Pirates of the Caribbean made me stop watching the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Nine is absolute trash. Nine um, is the biggest piece of trash I've yeah. ever seen. I, I got to see that at the Ziegfeld when it was still open in New York City, which for those who don't know, the Ziegfeld was a bit very popular movie palace from the 60s that uh, recently closed in the last couple of years. And, uh, and people clapped after every musical number. And I was like, okay. what is the, what the fuck is going on in this theater? <laughs> Relax, guys. Um, I think also yeah. there were like a, a lot of, uh, towards the end of the year, there were, I mean, obviously there were a bunch of uh, big Hollywood um, right. Oscar swings, but there was also like those generic kind of like, I mean, so right now there are four, count them, four Nicole Kidman movies out in theaters. <laughs> That's um, very true. And we saw like um, Lucas Hedges and Timothy Chalamet, um, kind of in very similar sounding and like aesthetically movies um, in a, like Boy Erase, Beautiful Boy, Ben is Back. Um, that just kind of, and then also on, on top of that, you had like Steve Carell in like 10,000 movies again in kind of like very mushy dramas yeah. where, I was, where I was like, Steve, sweetie, like I think you're great. Like love you so much. 
but relax. Take a step back. I, um, <laughs> it, 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 so, so there were still, um, even though it was a great year in movies, there certainly were, um, a lot of, uh, movies that just kind of like belly flopped into nothingness, which I think is only, um, increased, like it was made more profound when you had such like big lush things like crazy rich Asians or black Panther, um, and which were huge Hollywood movies, but also just like such nice, like a breath of fresh, you know? Yeah. No, com- completely. And like, uh, it's, it's really funny. I actually thought the year started off really strong too. One of my favorite, one of my top three favorite films came out very early in, um, 2018 which was paddington 2 um Mm. which is which is a interesting what i liked about it first of all i cry like a little fucking baby i was putting together my (laughs) um i was putting together my end of the year uh video that i put together every year and dan looked over at me and i was crying watching the trailer Oh, Gavin, you you sensitive soul i've always said that about you gavin so sensitive um very sensitive with the dark streak and um, <laughs> and but what i like about paddington 2 is i think it really tries to elevate the film style that it started in the first paddington uh the first paddington looks a little like which is not so much of an insult i enjoy the first paddington but it looks a little like a like wes anderson mm-hmm. jr um yep. and i think the yep. second film really avoided that style and actually moved much towards a more classic filmmaking style with with more interesting angles and things that you can't necessarily do without um cg but blending it into this kind of like faux cartoony world like there's there's this one scene where he um talks he they're talking to each other through pipes in prison he gets into prison and the camera (laughs) follows the voice through the pipes and it's like a cg shot but it ends up looking so beautiful that you kind of forget that it is CG. And it feels so brilliant that they would, because they don't have to show you that element of it. Like that could easily just be two people in their cell talking to each other. And you know how the voice is traveling because they're talking into pipes, but the camera acting as the voice was such a unique and interesting thing. Um, specifically because it felt it matched the style of that world um i i also think uh that film to me reads like a modern ealing comedy um i love the ealing comedies they're uh, comedies from uh post-world war ii and they're kind of always about the little guy fighting the system um and usually there's people in them playing multiple characters Paddington 2 has all of that. Paddington 2 is the little guy who gets framed for a crime that he didn't commit and has to like fight the system in order to prove his innocence. But also you have Hugh Grant giving what I think, and it's going to sound crazy, is a career best performance from Hugh Grant. Yeah. And he's playing a villain who is an actor who plays multiple roles throughout the film and he's so good and clearly having so much fun doing it what kind of um, tilda swinton <laughs> exactly um i mean there's one point where he's dressed as a dog singing a dog food commercial i don't wow. i don't know if i need anything else in my life from you how, how did they even convince Q? I mean from what i've heard hugh grant is not like the best person to work with i can right. only imagine what it took to like get him to be like yes i will be dressing up as a doggy like what <laughs> yes. And what makes it even better, too, is the the character itself is basically, like, 
really insulting to actors nonetheless <laughs> so it's so it's a, a very fit. self-referential now then simmer down simmer all right a little bit more <laughs> i'm sorry i'm at my worst tonight i really am i am tickled the deepest shade of shrimp to have been asked here tonight to open this wonderful old steam fair but you know when Madame Kozlova created this thing all those years ago, she most certainly was not thinking of people like me. Whatever I am, VIP, celebrity, I hate all that stuff. No, no, West End legend, that's another <laughs> No, no, she was thinking of you guys, huh? The ordinary people. So, I'm going to ask one of you to come up here and open the fair. Volunteers. Anyone. Meeny, meeny, miny. But I thought that was a really, to me, like, you know, that came out in January and I, I don't know, it blew me away. And it's rare that I, you know, the last couple of years, some of the films that I, I saw earlier on have ended up in my top. And because last year it was, um, wow, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, last year it was Get Out, which came mm-hmm. out very early in the year. That was my number one film of the year. Uh, yep. But I, I'm liking that, that. Think things are connecting and sticking with me more. So it's not all about that mad rush at the end totally. of the year. Yeah, I also... So I wanted to ask you if you saw any themes or people that had really good years. Because for me, certainly, there were some like MVP players that really just had such good years um, in like multiple movies. Um, right at the top of my list is Regina Hall, I think, yeah. had two really good movies out this year. Um, I think a lot of uh, internet gays will um, be clapping when I say that I really enjoyed Support the Girls. Yeah, people, um, people she, love Support the Girls. I think that Support the Girls isn't my cup of tea, but I think she gives an amazing performance. In it. I think all the performances are really great in it. Yeah. I just found the, the connecting shell of it kind of boring. That's me. But... Um, you but know, I you... also, I, so yes, I love support the girls. I think like all the, like you said, all the, the, the cast of all those women, yeah. they were so good. Um, and they deserve uh, an award for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, completely. Um, but then also she was in, um, a, well, I guess not that support the girls is widely seen, but she was also in the hate you give, right. uh, which I thought was so good. I think the ending was a little too tidy, but yeah. Um, the, the movie itself was so visceral. And I, I think again, like when I go, when I think about nerve, I'm like, man, this movie and made by Fox, you know, productions, um, made this movie and it is unapologetically, um, black and the, the, um, the lens is not filtered or watered down for a more, you know, white audience at all. And I was just shocked at, that we were getting this like very gutsy, you know, call to action, like yeah. on the screen. Um, and you have a lot of amazing, um, good, just like, uh, uh, African-American actors, like putting in the work, like Regina, um, playing the, the mother character, Mandel Senberg, uh, who was so good. And, and, and the story, I, I mean, I read the, you know, the, I read the novel, uh, I guess when it came out two ish years ago, um, and I heard it like, I mean, he got scooped up and was being made and I was like, oh man, are they going to really show all this stuff? And I'm like, they sure do. And it puts yeah. you right back into like the time when Ferguson was really, really happening. Um, and I was just really impressed. Um, so, she, uh, Regina, um, Hall, Hall, 
yeah. Paul uh, is and one of the MVPs for me for the year. I, I 100% agree. I actually really love the hate you give. The hate you give was really high up on my. I rank every movie I see during the year, which is a crazy thing I know, and that was like in my top 25. Uh, it's 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 really really good and worth seeing. My only complaint about that movie is it's because it's based on a book. The the author of the screenplay had a tendency to side more towards the voiceover and i thought every now and then it's like you could cut back a little bit on this but like that's such a minor complaint to be honest it's it's really a worthwhile film yeah i think i was just mostly impressed because it it was the first movie where i'd seen where like literally our protagonist is telling her white friend to shut up and like stop star just pretend the ball is a piece of fried chicken what was that? What? It's game talk. Fried chicken is game talk? I've never heard that one before. Holy shit. Start. We had fried chicken for lunch? It, it was a joke. Okay. Wait, what's going on, girl? I mean, you know me, I know you better than anyone. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just tired. I'm looking at my my list of uh, my favorite movies, and The Hate You Give was my number ten movie. Um, thinking about like the things that really resonated with me, not like I kind of see this larger theme of like things that are so relevant to our current political situation, current things that are happening in like the culture, like the art that happened this year is so reflective of what is happening in um, our real lives, which is really. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously these movies are, have been in production forever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I don't know. There was like this catharsis, you know, we had black Klansmen, which was like, so in your face about it. Um, which, uh, like the, I'm, I'm assuming you watched this Gavin. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, like I, I didn't put it in my top 10. I, I liked the movie, but I thought it was a little bit like too much. Um, but the ending, like it was it's literal, footage from the, the white supremacist riots and the, the movie ended and it was just i i've never left um a movie before where the entire audience was that silent it was like deadly silence it was yeah. it was like shoving in our face you know like this is real this is happening um and i think a lot of the the the, the film that i saw this year did that i think um, another movie um that was like that was sorry to bother you yeah um which was uh, number six on my list. And um, I liked a lot more than Black Klansman. Um, and is this full-on bonkers bananas amazing? <laughs> that's, a, I, that, you know, that's another movie that I appreciated for its big swing. I don't think it connected as much. I think Boots Riley has like a really interesting career ahead of him, and I'm excited for what he does next. Uh, I didn't love... And I know, like, I, I feel, I, I almost feel bad telling people that I didn't love this movie. Uh, but the, but I do appreciate what he was going for and the, uh, and the ways that he was attempting to accomplish it. I just didn't think it all congealed in the way that I would have liked. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I definitely thought like he was being less, I mean, there was nothing subtle about that movie. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but I liked that it like went on full sci-fi mode, like out of nowhere. Hey, young blood, let me give you a tip. Use your white boys. 
Man, I ain't got no white voice. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. You have a white voice in there, you can use it. It's like when you're pulled over by the police. Oh, no, I just use my regular voice when that happens. I just say, back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody oh, get out. Right, man, I'm just trying to give you some game. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. When people say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't talk white enough. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. I'm talking about the real deal. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? And yeah, and, and this again, super stylish. Like and, and again, like you said, a big swing. Um, was there anything you wanted to chat kind of about about the year in general? Um, there was a lot of really amazing films directed by women. Um, Madeline's Madeline's one of them. Uh, Happy as Lazaro, Zama, um, Marlene and the Murder and Four Acts. Or these are all films I really love. Nico, nineteen eighty eight. Um, Grace Jones, Bloodline and Bammy. Uh, Leave no trace, and I. All these films felt really personal um, yep. in, in a way. And I'm not saying that this is a, a woman filmmaker thing, but, I, but one of the things that connects all these films is they they felt like personal stories, stories that the filmmaker themselves had to get out there in the world. Um, but these are all very different films. But I do want to give a statistic because, you know, the number of women filmmakers actually went down this this past year in 2018 Yikes. Uh, in the top grossing 250 films that came out in 2018 92% of the films did not have a female director 73% had no female writers 42% had no female executive producers 27% had no female producers at all 74% had no female editors and 96% of the films had no female cinematographers wow and I'm not like it's it's really frustrating when um when you tell people that and they act like, well, do you think there should be quotas then? No, there shouldn't be quotas. There should just be more opportunities for yeah. these women to get work. These are some of the most talented people out there making these things. And they, you know, when they have a failure, they shouldn't be punished in the fact that they never get to make another movie again. Or right. You know, they shouldn't just have be having to rely on this independent or foreign market to get their films out there and their films seen. And part of it really does feel like the only reason they have to go that route is because they're women. Right. Um, I think. Um, uh, sorry, well, just real quick, even crazier, yeah. just one last statistic about women, out of the top grossing 100 films of the year, 4% of them were directed by women. So we've we've got a lot of work to do. um, This year, I'm also thinking of Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was directed by a a woman. Right. um, Which was also, I thought, an excellent movie. Um, And most McCarthy, I am loving seeing her stretch her chops in every direction that they can go because she is a national treasure. Absolutely. And and she's really great in that movie. Um, I will say I, I... it's not a role in which I thought she lost herself in. I still, at, at many times, I uh, thought of her as Melissa McCarthy. But I think, I don't know, I think that that's... It's not a role she had to lose herself in. I mm-hmm. kind of didn't mind that I was seeing shades of her in there. 
Um, you know, I think oftentimes we, when it comes to an actor playing a real person, we congratulate them for impressions. And yeah. I kind of like that she was doing sort of a hybrid thing of what she normally does. And uh, I don't know. I think that takes real skill. Uh, I love that movie. I really love that movie. That that was, you know, my t- my 14th favorite film of 2018. Um, and I you know, would be remiss if we didn't also talk about Richard E. Grant. Uh, his performance in the film is uh, scene stealing and heartbreaking and, and so deep and yeah. for such a shallow person. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I loved everything about that. And I really love the, obviously like one of the things that people don't talk about, um, you know, that's a really amazing example of a queer friendship. It's not a friendship about sex. It's not a friendship that's really about, um, you know, like putting each other down or anything. It's just, it's one of the few representations of a queer friendship um, in a mainstream film. And you really don't get that. Last time I saw you, thank you, we were both pleasantly pissed at some horrible book party. Am I right? Slowly flooding back to me. You're friends with um, Julia Steinberg? Yeah. She's not an agent anymore. She died. She did? Jesus, that's young. Maybe she didn't die. Maybe she just moved back to the suburbs. I was confused those two. That's right. She got married and had twins. Better to have died. Indeed. I know you also saw a lot of documentaries this past year. Um, I thought it was a good year for documentaries. I mean, there were like small docs. There were big docs that a lot of people saw. We saw um, uh, uh, the documentary that everyone saw, I think, this year was uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? neighbor. Yeah. Um, Uh, There was also... Definitely. And and I think that one really connected with people. I mean, I think Mr. Rogers himself is such a beloved figure anyways, but I think that one connected in a way that... uh, was maybe a little unexpected because it, you know, it's it's kind of a history overview documentary of his career. But I I think because of the way it it sheds light on the person he truly was, um, you know, it really helped people connect with it more than maybe you know. Because I'll be honest, I saw a couple other documentaries that have, are, are of a, done in a similar way. Um, like I, I'll say the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg doc. A lot of people really liked it. I didn't think it was that great. I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I really do. But like, it was just very like cut and dry, you know. Yeah. And this felt more connected into its, you know, source material. Yeah, I feel like the Ruth uh, was it RBG. Yeah, um, RBG. Yeah. I think it. I, I I enjoyed it fine, but it was like, you know, it, I thought it was too close to. Um, to her like there's yeah. no sh- there are no shades there i think i left um won't you be my neighbor feeling complex feelings about him you know um and with ruth bader ginsburg i was like okay yeah she's like a legend icon like love her but um and i i didn't see on the basis of sex but from what i hear you know it's kind of the same thing like there's no shades to this woman it's just kind of like this easy vehicle for like oh she overcame you know like i don't know it's 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 not a complicated story that I thought, um, or it is a complicated story that they've made very just like vanilla. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, and I will admit like that I had issues. I did actually have issues with one tribute neighbor. I thought <laughs> any, any time that they got just a little too close to Mr. Rogers being wrong, like 
Yeah. Okay, like the the stuff with with um, I can't think of the gentleman's name, but the 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 one gay person on his yeah staff. the cop yeah the cop like. <laughs> He totally. I mean, them awfully quick. And then yeah, totally. I, I had a very like intense conversation with someone just about like, I was like, I, I mean, so first of all, I didn't grow up watching him. Like right. PBS did not like penetrate South Texas when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> so I don't have like the, the mushy feelings that everyone does have about him. And I appreciate, you know, like the whole idea of like having quiet TV and like educational TV for kids, but like, also, I love fucking like loud and obnoxious, um, you know, creative TV for kids also. And like, um, I also just think like, he's like, yeah, people give him too easy of a pass for the gay thing. Like, yeah. there is it, literally like the- no explanation for it. Just like, that, that is some very Republican, like, right. well, just don't talk about it and we'll be friends. It's like, what? Get the fuck out yeah. of here. Oh, that's definitely like, the, it, like, it. In a way, the, the the problems I have with that documentary is that it oftentimes normalizes some very conservative beliefs that are just like, no, like the like we, we, this is twenty eighteen at the time, twenty nineteen now. Like, let's fucking talk about those. Like, let's yeah. not just just gloss over them and be like, but let's try and find new light and and new ways. And I know he's dead, so we can't have these conversations with him. And I'm sure he was a very polite man. But, like, I don't know, that whole idea that, like, well, these are my beliefs and you're just never going to change me. I don't know. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I don't it's, like very, it. it's very Southern, like, religious kind of just being like, well, if you're not being polite, it's like, fuck off. Like, I don't have to be polite when you, like, <laughs> deny my existence. Okay? Right. I was in the studio one day. That particular day, he was filming the end of the show. And when he got to the part, he said, you make every day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. And I swear it was like, just looking right into my eyes. And when the music stopped, I said, Fred, were you talking to me? And he said, yes, I have been talking to you for years, but you heard me today. I'm glad somebody else felt that way because that movie was like of universal acclaim. And I, and it made, that stuff really made me uncomfortable and really like, I I maybe gave it like three stars. I was like, it was fine, but like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't want to hear somebody preach at me about how you know my existence is less than you know, or I should shut up about it. Right, but. Gavin. It's because we're snowflakes. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one other documentary I want to talk about because I thought it was so cuckoo bonkers was Three Identical Strangers. Yeah. Um, I had no idea about the story. Apparently, everyone in New York like knows lives breathes a story oh i didn't uh, know about it either if it makes you feel better so okay that does people at work were like <laughs> i mean I, I think people of certain age i would say like um people like middle-aged and over who were in new york and they were like oh yeah that was a classic tabloid story about i mean essentially it's about these three it's these triplets who were separated at birth for um maybe dubious reasons for like a science project experiment on um and it's it's fucking insane and bonkers and um i was riveted it was like a true life fucking like freeform story come to life um i don't know why there hasn't been a fictionalized account of this (laughs) on freeform but um (laughs) there is now a documentary so hopefully someone's working on it the um the one the the couple of documentaries I wanted to bring up too um ones that I feel like got uh, a lesser 
sort of acclaim. And I think part of it is because two of them went directly to streaming services. And that's Shirkers, which is this really amazing Netflix documentary about um, this woman who essentially makes like one of the first independent films in Singapore with her friends when they're film students and the film gets stolen from them. And, uh, and it's really great and it's crafted incredibly well. And it feels almost, uh, it plays a bit almost like Orson Welles F for fake, which is really high praise if you've seen F for fake. And if you haven't, please run out and see F for fake. It's so good. Um, But it's, it's, like pseudo mystery it's got like odd moments that almost feel like a noir which is crazy for a documentary um and it and it's just so well and it's made by sandy tan who made the film the original film which was called shirkers and then made this documentary years later um and she's like a huge part of the story uh but also is able to you usually if you're making a film about yourself it's hard to 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 pull your ego out of it but like she has it's interesting because it's it's so rare to see a filmmaker who clearly doesn't have that ego portion of themselves i don't know it's really interesting i i definitely recommend it and like i said it's on netflix some call my film a punk rock fairy tale some call it a ghost story but all i'll say is time can be a very strange friend and then Minding the Gap, which is this amazing feat of documentary filmmaking, a movie made over basically the course of 10 to 15 years about three kids in a small town um, who are skateboarders. And like, that sounds boring. Trust me. I know it sounds boring because like, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I'm like, wait, is it mid-90s? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what it, it feels like. I have not seen mid-90s, but it feels like anything that, you know, is sort of conveyed in mid 90s is probably conveyed better in minding the gap and you really see like what small towns do to people and on top of this you know one of these kids is black the the filmmaker himself is asian he's dealing with a lot of family strife in a different way than this this black kid is faced with and then the the third kid is this sort of um self-destructive asshole uh, this Mm. white guy who like is just torpedoing his life constantly at every turn. And he is a drug addict and an alcoholic. And it's great because the film doesn't glorify any of that, but it's very honest about it. And it's not edited in a sensational way. It doesn't, you know, it's not constructed in a way that it it keeps things from you. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's really brilliant. And it's, it's so interesting also just to, to watch the quality and film change. Are you going to put me smoking weed in the thing? Maybe. Dude, I don't think just like to do it. I've given you free range. I mean, I I have no stipulation. <coughs> I've always needed more out of life, more out of where I was. You know, my parents ran this very controlling house, and so I ran away a lot. By like 16, I was no longer living with my parents, like at all. I just wanted to fucking escape to see them grow up in front of you, you know, to see them deal with these issues with their parents, with their lifestyle, how they're going to get out of where they are, if they're going to get out of where they are. It's it's really cool. It's a very deep movie. And it's one of those things you kind of have to remind yourself, like, this is all true. These are yeah. real people. Yeah, um, totally. And then the last one real quick. I know I only said a couple, but I love 
there's a, a a biography documentary called Grace Jones Bloodlight and Bammy, which is all about Grace Jones, who's a personal favorite of mine, singer, model, actress, uh, huge in the 80s, big in disco. Uh, but what's cool about this documentary is it's another movie that's shot over many years. She started shooting it, I think, in t- 2013. Um, but she's so much old. I mean, she's so much older now than she was when when at the height of her popularity but she's still so beautiful and vibrant and gorgeous. And she goes back to her home, her hometown overseas where her family's originally from. Um, and you get to see her interaction with that. And also you get to see like how truly young she still is. You know, there's one point in the movie where she's on the phone with her adult son and she's in Paris cause she's on tour and he's like, I'm going to bed. And she's like, it's 10 PM. What are you doing? Like, she's like, why, why would you go to bed at 10 PM in Paris? Like, it's just really funny. Like she still has this sort of rock star mentality of like staying up late, but it's also deep. And, you know, she, she's had controversies over her life, over the span of her life. She, um, she famously slapped, um, a, a reporter who was interviewing her. Did they cut this from the TV? No, they didn't. It was live. Really? Totally fucking live. Yeah. But you had your gloves. As don't well. you turn your back on me one more time? I said, I'm warning you. <laughs> I'm warning you. I always give a warning, you know. I don't strike without a warning, right? So you have to deal with that sort, that part of Grace Jones, that the the visceral the part of Grace Jones. Yeah, um, but I, it's it's so much fun, and all the concert footage is gorgeous like she puts on a fucking show oh so, yeah for sure yeah she invented shows bitch okay <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's funny because you know she it, i think what also really struck me is i hadn't really thought about it but in a way she's sort of the last of this era of the 70s 80s that disco scene you know a lot of people are aging and dying from that era she was a contemporary of david bowie um, you know, we don't have him anymore. So it was cool to, to see. It felt like a grandiose um, farewell concert almost, but put on film. I think there was a lot of, I mean, for, uh, I, I said it last last year on my, one of my top picks. I, I said Spider-Man Homecoming. We had another fucking great Spider-Man movie this year. I think oh my God, we had such a good Spider-Man movie this year. <laughs> Um, honestly, I hope we keep getting excellent Spider-Man movies for the rest of our lives. Um, I mean, now I mean, it'd be, it'd be a nice change, wouldn't it? From the, from the tr- previous true. decade. I mean, we've been through so much, Gavin. Okay. We've yeah. been through so, so we've much. Really been so much. Um, but I, all that to say, like, that's a nice button to put on. Like, I think it was a great year for, um, superhero movies. Um, I guess DC didn't really put anything out. So maybe that's a reason no, why. No, that's not true. Oh, Aquaman, true. Aquaman, bitch. There is. <laughs> True, there was Aquaman. Aquaman um, is now the highest grossing DC um, superhero movie ever. Well, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have believed it either. And I'll be honest, I saw Aquaman. I know you didn't didn't really love it. I had fun. I think I think some of it's very stupid. I think some of the dialogue was like put a fucking the, drill to my head. Yeah, when the Nicole dialogue Kidman, is very bad. Yeah, when the Kidman has to deliver the line about how the the water washes away their tears in the ocean, I was like, "Oh no, babe, <laughs> babe, no." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, but it looked it looked really pretty. It's it was so like pretty. I, I was like, at least this movie looks like fun, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was fine. I was I, like, okay. I feel like, I feel like it elevated. I mean, I would, I would much. I, it sounds insane, but I would much rather watch the the fight scene, the Aquaman fight scene in Italy, or the reef scene with all the scary reef monsters 
mm-hmm. um, from Aquaman than any of the fight scenes in Avengers Infinity War. Because, like, at least there was a style point to Aquaman where it, like, really dug deep into its own look and trying to not be the average superhero movie. Whereas Avengers Infinity War is just a muddled mess. Everything is brown. I, I, I have to come to terms with the fact that I just really don't like that movie. <laughs> okay, Gavin, when Thanos fucking snaps his fingers, I am staying and you are going away. Okay? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's very clear. Okay. Um, so, but, 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 but I do, I think that ties back into what we're talking about. Um, that even with some of these bigger blockbusters and in, in smaller movies, I think people are realizing that they, they have to, it's a very go big or go home mentality as you call totally. it nerve. And I think that's what Aquaman was going for. And I think Aquaman deserves as much credit for trying something like that as, you know, say something like first reformed, which is Paul Schrader coming back. Oh, with a film yeah. That's, that's so out there in terms of, you know, look and subject matter, but also making it truly about something. I think this is an issue where, where the church can lead. But but they say nothing. The, the U.S. Congress still denies climate change. Where were we when these people were elected? And so I don't know. You're right. I think I think to to tie it back up into a bow. I think exactly what you said at the top of our rewind about this was a year of nerve, and I really hope going into 2019 we get uh, like some of that nerve stays around. Totally. All right. Um, I think we should just talk about our one-star reviews first because, um, like I said, it was hard for me to to find one. So let's get that out of the way. Um, I know what my... I know what my very least favorite film is, but I'm going to go one back because my least favorite film of the year... I've said this many times before, and I actually listened to a podcast recently where I heard somebody else say this, and it and bothered me a little bit hearing them say it. So maybe, maybe I'm a little bit more of a jerk, but like I know how hard it is to get a movie made, and I know it. It's not easy. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of jobs. It takes a lot of time. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in kicking a film, an independent film, that like right. people clearly put their heart into. So. I'm going to skip past my bottom one, but I will tell you there is a movie out there that I found so atrocious that I considered walking out of a theater, and that takes a lot for me. Um, Wait, you're, but, you're not going to tell me what it was? Uh, I'll tell you after the show, but I, I, I won't just, say it on air because I, I genuinely feel bad for them. And just tell me, me and then edit it to out. Me, that's almost worse, right? Like, it's almost worse that I pity them so much. So yeah, yeah. Just uh, give them give them the dignity just to be like, listen, you tried your best, but I didn't like your fucking movie. Okay, it's an independent horror film called. It is an abysmal watch, and it's a it's a movie <laughs> devoid of ideas, and, and I just yeah, and it makes me so angry that somebody would look at that script and not be like, this needs no. rewrites. Yeah, <laughs> this needs work, and we could save everybody so much money and time. And I think that's the thing that makes me the angriest about it is like, I don't want to shit on a bunch of people that put their hard work into it. You know, everybody from, you know, sound design to craft services, but like that movie shouldn't have been made. 
and uh but my yeah. but, but the one that i i will give the crown to because i know uh, a large studio money went into is duncan jones is mute mm-hmm. <laughs> he's made some films that i've genuinely loved i loved source code i loved moon yeah um, we love moon mute is a movie that's set in the same universe as moon mm-hmm. and um it's just really really fucking bad um it is uh alexander skarsgård plays a man who can't talk and uh, it's like set in a pseudo future Berlin. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't even want to get into the plot too much cause it's just sort of all <laughs> over the place and I hated it. Uh, so the bad guys in the movie are Justin throw and Paul Rudd and they're both being incredibly hammy and like playing to the rafters and giving performances that like, I wish I could scrub from my brain. Hey, what does a guy have to do to get some service around here? It's no table service. Are you serious? There's no table service. You order here. There's like three fucking feet. And the movie's like, the movie is so long and it just meanders and it never goes anywhere. And it also is like occasionally weirdly like sexually offensive. Like there's a bunch of sex workers in it and there's like a lot of, I felt like there was like, kind of some gay bashing jokes in there and i think they were given to the bad guys to be like look at how bad these bad guys are but like also it it came out of nowhere so it was just like oh they're just i don't know everything everything about that movie i found offensive (laughs) and and i just wish i had not watched it um i haven't thought about it it came out really early in the year i think it was out in february um and uh i watched it once and then scrubbed a lot of it from my brain um, but like I said, I rate everything and it, it has maintained a pretty hardcore position. It is 118 out of 119 films. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm like looking over like this list of movies that I, that, that, or that came out this year and I'm sure like, and I think people online will be like, Oh, there's certainly like really trash movies. Like I didn't go out and seek trash movies. Like I didn't go watch, you know, the, like the fuck the, the what is it the mortal mortal engines yeah yeah like i didn't go out and see that i didn't go out and see the happy time murders like i didn't right. do that to myself um so for me i went on like what was the 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 least enjoyable movie going experience i had this entire year and two come to mind and it, it again like like you said it pains me also to name this movie um uh my my truly awful awful time at the theater um with this movie that i came in with such high hopes um and that is uh proud mary oh yes uh, and i could not believe they made taraji p henson 
make this movie or and I the the best part of this movie is when the Proud Mary song plays like over the really shitty action scenes. Um, I was thinking like, oh, they're really not selling this movie right in the trailers. Like there's, you know, I want to see Taraji looking really badass. And I was like, once I saw the movie, I realized, oh, there was nothing to sell her because she doesn't look badass in this movie at all. <laughs> like there is nothing that's like showing her being strong or fierce or, you know, I was ready for her to like launch her James Bond fucking universe of Proud Mary movies with this. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is bad, bad, bad. Um, for those of you who missed it, this also came out early in the year. Um, it's about Mary, and she's a hit woman. She works for an organized crime family in Boston. Um, and, like, she is, like, in the first, you know, five, ten minutes, she's established as this, like, ruthless, you know, heartless woman. And then, like, just out of nowhere, like, a fucking, like, young kid changes her life because um this hit goes bad and like she kills his dad and like so she has to she feels all of a sudden she needs to take care of him tom i'm leaving out of here and i'm taking the kid i can't let that happen come on tom he didn't do anything let him go we can settle this with a hurting kid danny I want you to get up and run out of here. you. Don't do it, kid. Stay where you are. I said get up and go. Go! Sit down! I'll do what I swear I will. No, you won't, Tom. You and I both know you can. Listen to me. I need you to hear me because I'm only going to say this once. I'm walking out of here. I'm going to find Danny and I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. So if you want to stop me, you gonna have to kill me. Warrant for this family. Your family, Mary. The old man taking you off the streets. You'd be a gutter snipe. Servicing cabbies for smack. Newsflash, Mary. You ain't the mother in type. I, I, and, and if you know me, and I think I told this to you when I, I watched this, Gavin, I'm not the girl to be watching a movie and being like, oh, um, this set design or whatever, like, this is bad. <laughs> or this editing is bad. This is the first movie in a long time where I was like, this everything about this is bad it looked like the editing was awful the lights were awful like i was like how come i could see fucking venetian blinds everywhere did they not have a lighter on this movie like it it was insane i and it pains me because i want taraji Pianson to be so successful at everything she does but this was not it mama <laughs> yeah no i didn't see it but i remember having a very long conversation with you about it and uh yeah it sounds it sounds rough um, and my other movie that I uh, least enjoyable theater going experience. And I think like I am, I'm going to be stoned and, um, I don't know, fucking kicked out of New York. I just really had maybe 10% fun watching Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. And I don't understand it. I've, I, I've since seen it again and was just like, I really like this movie. So I don't know if it's like I, first of all, I guess I was like, the, the, the fun that I did have was like Cher and like the part where Cher was in and then that's it. Um, <laughs> I thought like everyone that they had cast as the younger people were like not as good. Honestly, I just wanted to watch the first one. <laughs> that's i was like okay, i don't need all this mess and and also like it's weird that they had to like bend over backwards to be like 
oh, she wasn't a slut, you know, uh, like it it's, makes no sense to the story if she can't re- figure out who the father is of her child, if she didn't have sex with them in like close amount of time, right. you know? And so like Mamma Mia 2 was really trying to figure out how to like be like, okay, well, she's not a slut, but <laughs> I was like, girl, just let her be a slut. <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> And I think uh, um, Amanda, what's her name? Seafried in this movie is so not good. I think she's a, a lovely actress, but not here. She's I mean, great. In, she's she, great she in First Reformed. Give, yeah, I was going to say, she does give a much better performance in First Reformed than she does in Mamma Mia 2. I will give you that. Like her, the whole, her, like she's setting up the hotel and then it rains. And she's like, oh my God, my mom's going to hate me. And like everything's <laughs> ruined. I was like, girl, it rained. Like the drama is coming from inside the house <laughs> but anyway um i, I know a mil- I mean, you love this movie you cry in this movie you're so sensitive gavin i'm very um, sensitive i'm a sensitive boy mm-hmm. um but yeah that's all i have to say really about shitty movies i saw this year you know i didn't love um aquaman but it was fine you know uh, and there are far yeah. worse movies this year than aquaman yeah, I think both of us could agree Peppermint was not our favorite watch this year. If if I was to go one more up, Peppermint is, <laughs> is the next one up in my... It's 117 out of 119. You know what? Closely by The Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say I was so deeply disappointed by Ocean's 8. I yeah. love all those women. And I was like, well, I could have just watched them like wearing pretty dresses anywhere. Okay? Like, um, can someone... Well, reverse shot which is a website that puts out lists every year um which i was actually a little disappointed in their top 10 but in the they do their 11 crimes of the year and one of them was oceans eight because it was just like it's it's almost like because they're women we're not allowed to watch them have fun in the way that we are men absolutely i I agree with this or like they were so lazy that like they were like we're not going to really write them like as human beings just like Rihanna the hacker, Mindy, right. Mindy, like the Indian, like, um, diamond. Right. Yeah. I was like, I was like, th- there is this, <laughs> we're going to talk about fucking flimsy writing and character development. Like there we fucking go. So what are you doing here? I might have something for you. Job. You want to run some stuff at the store? Okay. A little more than that. How long would it take you to make seven pieces of jewelry if the stones were already cut? Probably five or six hours. How long if I told you you didn't have to live with your mother anymore? Less. I I mean, I, I liked it better than you did, but it certainly was not my favorite. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get out of this dark, depressing state. Gavin, let's yeah, talk about let's our... move on to our five-star reviews. There is a movie that comes out every year in this genre that just fucking grabs me and is like everything I want, everything I need. Um, last year it was Patty Cakes. Um, a couple of years before that was um, Sing Street. This year, oh no, last year was um, Band Aid. I forgot. Uh, two years ago was Patty Cakes. Um, or maybe Patty Cakes was last year also. Can't Patty remember. Cakes was also last year, yeah. Okay, well, same genre. Um, this year it was Hearts Beat Loud. Yeah. Uh, and 
Uh, it's just like the movie that is emotional and fun and has like bangers that go with it. And also Blythe Danner is there. Uh, <laughs> I, everything I want, everything I need. I didn't see it. I was kind of warned away of it uh, from the gate. Somebody told me it was the most Sundance of Sundance movies, like genetically engineered to be a Sundance movie. But I can I, see that. But the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, I should have given it more of a shot. So I do plan on watching it. I don't want to. I don't want to be enough of a jerk to be like, well, I'm never going to see that movie. But, it's uh, a perfect. It's a perfect watch for like a lazy Sunday, and like if you just like want something that's like light and feels good, but is just also unexpectedly like so heart pulley. Um, also starring um, one of my other MVPs of the year, Tony Collette. Um, she. Um, is uh she plays a landlord slash love interest in this movie um she's mvp this year because she also gave a crazy performance in hereditary but anyway um hard to beat loud is uh directed by brett haley who um if you saw his last movie which was um i'll be seeing you in my dreams starring Blythe danner um and it is about um a father and daughter um frank played by nick offerman he is a former musician um his wife was killed uh in a biking accident and he owns a vinyl store in red hook and his daughter um played by uh kiersey clemens um she is like a student that's about to go off to medical school and their relationship they're really close um they're both musicians but she's studying to become a doctor and um he's just kind of grappling with having to let go a lot of the movie is about letting go and, and trusting and changing and she gets into a um a relationship um this movie, one of the great things about this movie it's so easy breezy like queer um like there is just nothing about the movie where it's like oh now we're doing gay stuff it's just like <laughs> it just is and it's like ugh, everything i want everything i need you gotta be brave before you can be good What is that? I read it in a comic book. You are brave though. And you're good. I just think it's so unrealistic. All dreams are unrealistic. My dreams are real. Not really. Really gonna go to school and then study really hard, graduate, and then be a doctor. Well, when you're a doctor and I'm still a starving artist, you can give me some free medical care. I will. Good. It's a really lovely, tiny um, story that is just uh, makes me feel so good. <laughs> so was that your top pick or? That's not my top pick. That's okay. just my pick that is in line with the genre of movie that I'm oh, like <laughs> that. Thank God every year something like this comes out for me. Um, I mean, I, I already talked about Paddington, too. So um, uh, I guess one of the ones I'd want to talk about without talking about my top pick yet is uh this is a little cheating of me, but um, I went to Iceland in September of this year and I saw this film called Woman at War. It's an Icelandic film. 
Um, and it quickly became one of my top favorite films of the year. It's currently my second favorite film of the year. Um, and I don't know. I just think it's such a well-crafted movie. And I don't want to say anything too much about it because it is, it's not out in America yet. It comes out here in March. Um, but it is such a tight screenplay and so interestingly done as a screenplay that I feel like that portion alone should be um, taught in film schools uh, because it's not a traditional three act structure. Uh, but, and, and by that, I don't mean like it's not, but it's not chopped up in a way that you would expect like a Tarantino or Christopher Nolan film, but it, it plays around with the structure of a normal screenplay, but everything is important and everything pays off in a really satisfying way. And on top of that, there's moments of postmodern surrealism. There's a band in the film that seems to exist only in the main character's head, but oftentimes you almost think like maybe she doesn't there. She doesn't see them either. And they appear in many scenes. I don't know. It's, it's really fascinating. It's, it's really going to be worth a look when it comes out in um, March. And I, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I did. It's really funny. It's like devastatingly funny at points. Yeah, um, I, just, I just looked it up and it's being called a comedy drama thriller. <laughs> yes. And that's a perfect way to describe it. You know, it's also got environmentalist themes and uh, uh, really funny jokes about tourism. Um, and just it's, you know, quirky is perhaps an overused phrase, but it's it's quirky at points to an extent. And uh, it's it's really I don't know. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, makes Iceland look really amazing. It was announced last month that um jo uh, that Jodie Foster is going to remake it that she oh, wants wow. to remake it in English um I don't know why but you know people can go out and see it but whatever I mean more power to her I guess I just hope she doesn't fuck it up um and then the other thing I I want to mention um that it didn't make my video because this happens every year I try and get my video out on New Year's Eve um because the true end of the year but I didn't get a chance to see if Beale Street could talk until the mm -hmm. week after. And mm -hmm. if Beale Street can talk is a bona fide masterpiece. It is a gorgeous film from the cinematography to the writing, to the direction, to the acting. Regina King is stunning in every scene that she's in, both in terms of the way she looks and the way she presents her character. Um, the two leads are really amazing. It actually took me um, a little bit to get used to. Um, it took me a little bit to get used to what Kiki Lane was doing as the character Tish Rivers. She's the main character. There's a lot of voiceover in that, but I thought it was handled a little bit better than The Hate You Give. Um, and I was a little distanced by the fact that she was so meek and mild at first, and I wasn't quite sure if I really dug how she was doing that. Yeah. See, Tish, it's, it's not done. It's a work in progress. Ronnie, I'm sorry, but how are we going to make this into a home? Look, look, imagine our walls, right? Over here and over here. But where are we going to cook and sleep and bathe? I mean, where are my mama and them going to sit? But when it eventually clicked with me, I realized exactly what she was doing, and I, and I really... I don't know. I really ended up loving her performance. And I just think everything about that movie is, is really perfect. And, uh, you know, it's a crime that it's sort of being overlooked now. Um, especially since it is Barry Jenkins director, Moonlight. Um, he wrote it. It's based off 
the James Baldwin novel and it's really important. And, and yeah, I, I just, I highly recommend it without any, you know, reservations. Yeah. The, the scene where they have sex for the first time was the most romantic, erotic, like, whew, I was just yeah. like, Oh my God, because <laughs> the way that Barry Jenkins, you know, just like is able to make people look on film, especially black people, it is just pure sex. Like yeah. they look gorgeous, the colors, the vibrancy. It was, yeah, breathtaking. Uh, but Louis, what was your five, what was your absolute favorite film of the year? My absolute favorite movie of the year and uh, like the most enjoyable time I had at the theater is kind of like a left field Gavin pick, if you will. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it was um, Assassination Nation. Um, and this was also a Sundance movie. So I guess fuck my drag. Um, <laughs> um, it was written and directed by Sam Levinson. Um, I don't know much about him. Um, or his previous work. Uh, uh, I believe he's the son of Barry Levinson. Um, I he don't, is. He's yeah. the son of Diana Rhodes and Barry Levinson. So whatever that means. Uh, um, Barry Levinson's a very famous filmmaker. <laughs> That's the <laughs> great. So, so maybe a little nepotism. I don't know. I didn't see the movie, and I will say I, I'm going to let you get everything out. But I will say I was turned off by the marketing, which usually has very little to do with the movie. So I will I will say that. But it just basically looked like Teenage Purge to me, and I was like, no, thank you. But if you say it was good, I will I will take your I trust your opinion, and uh, and then now I kind of want to see it. Yeah. So I mean, I so I haven't seen any of the Purge movies. That's not for me um and i i know what they're about obviously but this movie to me it was the nerviest movie of the year and it felt i mean maybe be, again because i'm such a fucking liberal snowflake but it just <laughs> felt like such a uh it felt like the the punch in the face that i needed to like kind of clear out the trump garbage that has just been like accumulating over my body over like his presidency you know um this movie is completely a teenage freakazoid, um, you know, fest of style and energy and just like pure angst. Um, but, uh, similar to hearts beat loud, um, it is, um, just very, um, nonchalantly queer. Um, Hari Neff stars, um, as I think a Bex, in this movie, um, as one of, I mean, essentially the movie is about these four girls. Um, they're, um, living in Salem. If, if this movie is going to remind you of anything, it's, it's actually like a retelling of, um, the Salem witch trials. Um, because it is, uh, this black comedy thriller, um, about this girl, Lily, and she has her best friends, Bex, Em, and Sarah, and they're all these girls, um, who are, fucking just cool bitches um who don't give any fucks they want to like hook up when they want to and they have crushes and they like sex and they love the internet um and it's it's just like oozing with energy and um the the bang crux of the story is um a hacker is hacking into um different people's uh, computers and just like doing these huge data dumps. And so at the beginning he hacks the mayor's um, 
information. Um, he is very anti-gay, and the hacker reveals that he's actually into um, hooking up with male escorts and dressing other women's clothing. Um, and so, you know, dealing with those ramifications. But then the hacking continues, and um, a principal goes down, um, and it kind of keeps tumbling, and all of a sudden, the entire town has all of their shit dumped out. And so it it's causing this like panic. This it's like um, this frenzy around the entire town, and someone um, who's getting the the blame pinned on them decides that he's gonna say that it was this girl Lily because she is this sexualized um, freewheeling girl, and he decides she's gonna take the fall for it. And so the entire town goes batshit insane, and you just see these girls. Um, essentially fighting back, fighting back against, you know, the patriarchy and misogyny. Um, there's a really uh, high uh, stakes moment where um, there's an attack against um, Hari Neff's character, who is trans. And again, I've never seen a movie have a, a um, sex scene with a trans woman and um, addressing the transness of it all. And this movie does that. Um, and also dealing with the transphobia that happens afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie is just crazy, 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 and I loved every second of it. There's one moment, like the classic girls walking down the halls of their high school moment, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> this is a moment where uh, Hari Neff's character, she's like a little bit nervous about walking by the boy that she hooked up with, and the girls are like, it's fine, whatever, let's do it, bitch. And they're walking, and then Hari is I fucking love this song. And the girls are like, what song? And she fucking just like snaps her fingers and points up and says, she says, this one. Oh my God, I love this song. What, what song? song? This song. It's amazing how someone so inconsequential can make you feel so inconsequential. Fuck, fuck, boys. Fuck, fuck, boys. I was just like, bitch. So, so there's definitely moments of like postmodern sort of to- stuff totally. in there. And then like the guy she's crushing on, he's like, hey, Bex, you look great. And she like just like looks at him, gives him a stink eye, and she says, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Very cool. It felt like yeah, the movie I, I, no, I needed I, this year. I think I think you've sold me on it. I'll I'll definitely check it out. My favorite film of the year was uh, something I saw midsummer, um, which was this very tiny film called Madeline's Madeline. Um, mm. It is a um, I don't know. It's like the anti coming of age film. <laughs> okay, yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, it's really it's a it's a movie about stories. And owning your own story and and the way people can co-op your existence. So the plot is uh, about this young girl named Madeline. Um, Madeline has had um, some mental issues in the past, some issues with violence, um, and and some uh, issues enough that she's had to have been hospitalized. She lives um, with her mom and her brother. Um, She is... Uh, mixed race and uh her mom is played by uh filmmaker miranda july which this is the first time i've seen miranda july in a film outside of um 
uh, a film that she directed, and she's fine. She's okay. <laughs> um, but see, even that, I can you know I can say bad things about uh, movies that I like, but uh, but the real performance here is Helena Howard, who plays Madeline. This is her first film, and it is a glorious tour de force performance. She has to go from zero to ten constantly throughout the movie. She plays a lot of it inside, but anyways. She gets involved with this experimental dance acting troupe that's run by Molly Parker, who plays this character named Evangeline. And eventually Evangeline starts, you know, she's looking for a concept for her show. And she starts mining this traumatic story from Madeline to create the show out of. And she's sort of taking Madeline's life story and turning it into her art, stealing her expression and making it into this thing for her to present the world and for her to take the credit for. Hmm. Um, and it's this really deep conversation about like who owns what, you know, how much manipulation goes into something like that, how toxic is a relationship like that? Because Evangeline's is really mostly presented as, as like, you know, kind of the positive mother figure. And Miranda July's character, Regina, is not like a not great parent she's a a woman who really doesn't know how to handle this this child who who she clearly doesn't understand and and clearly you know is is maybe not getting the the best the best life that she could wait 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 uh you know i i just i want i want you to be careful you know because you're not i'm not what um you know, you're not like the other people. Because I'm black? No. Madeline. Regina. I just feel like you're maybe not ready, you know, your your situation. What are you saying? What are you saying? It's different from the other people in the, you know, everyone else is, is stable. And, um, you know, if you had an episode, which you probably will, what would happen? You know, of what Evangeline is going to and at the same time, Madeline herself is a fully formed person. She's may only be 16, but she, uh, you know, and she may have these difficulties, but she, she really knows who she is and what she wants out of life. And when she's challenged, when she runs into situations where she doesn't, that's when she acts out and she becomes these other things. She, there's times where she pretends to be a cat or like there's this really awkward scene where she tries to seduce an older man and it's it's really interesting and it's it's just a full throttle performance and it's a full throttle movie it's shot you know like it's an assault to the senses i have never (laughs) seen a film really shot this way before it moves back and forth between reality and and the fantasy of the the acting troupe and it's just really deep and interesting and funny and dark and and just full of you know beautiful cinematography and performances it's it's truly the most cohesive film it's uh you know it's directed by josephine decker and josephine decker clearly has an agenda in this movie and knows how to play every single piece of it you know like a symphony and 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 really just make it all work and i'm i'm happy to be alive to see this movie <laughs> like that's yeah and that's why i know it's my number one film of the year but i mean i always sort of seek out that that sort of um, the thing that that like I leave the theater and I'm just like I just want to live in that movie or I wish I could watch it a thousand times more and, and it gives <laughs> me that that rush of you know 
this yeah. is something new and something important. And Gavin, so I think, it, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, Gavin, it sounds like we kind of had the same experience with our yes. two top picks. Yeah, like, no, it, defi- it definitely does. I was, when I was listening to you talk about Assassination Nation, I was like, I know that feeling because I was, uh, when the credits rolled on Madeline's Madeline, I was like stuck to my chair. I was yeah. just stunned. I just yeah. didn't want to leave that experience. And I remember going out into the lobby afterwards um, and, you know, I saw it with Dan and some friends and I, they, I was like, what did you think about it? <laughs> and, and was, <laughs> Let's they were talk talking, about this. Yeah. And they were talking about it and I was just like listening and observing and I'm just like, I loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. Did you guys um, watch it at the quad? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Love and, that theater. Uh, it was it's such a great experience, and, and I'm really happy I got the chance to see it on the big screen as well. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. Um, if if you haven't checked, if anybody hasn't checked it out, checked it out because it came out in August. Um, but it is so good, and uh, as I mentioned, um, Helena Howard is really amazing in it. Molly Parker is also really just fabulous in it, and um, deserves more credit. She's she's one of those actors who's been working for years. She used to be on Deadwood, and she, you know she she, I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for all the the amazing performances that she pulls when me and Derek Witten saw um the miseducation of Cameron Post at the quad yeah they they had the trailer for Madeline's Madeline up and he was like we have to go see that and we never just got around to it but so now I'm glad that you give it have such a high opinion of it so we yeah, can finally I, get I, around to it I would say if you like I hate giving people prerequisites like I, I hate the conversation of, about the movie Roma where it's like you have to go see it in the theater. But I will say if you do watch Madeline's Madeline, turn the sound up as loud as you can without annoying anybody. The <laughs> okay. sound design in okay, the good. is really great, too. Um, are there any other movies that you think we need to mention before moving on? Um, I really, you know, I, I mentioned a bunch of, uh, ones before. Um, I, I really, I loved Zama. Zama's this very strange Lucretia Martel film. Um, that's like, uh, it's least it's listed as a drama. I would say it's a, a pitch black comedy. Um, <laughs> and it's all about like, you know, colonization and, and the sh- way, people are shitties and like uh greed so i really loved that movie uh mentioned first reformed really loved that um uh we talked about spider-man into the spider first oh there is one that i you you were never really here is really great leave no trace is really great but there's one that i would be really remiss if i didn't mention its name um on on the podcast which is nico 1988 and nico 1988 is a dramatization of the last year of the life of nico from who you know who most people know from the velvet underground um Hmm. but she was a singer songwriter in her own right um krista pathigan i think is how you pronounce her last name i'm terrible with with accents um but she's played by trim durholm who is uh, like (laughs) essentially the meryl streep of denmark and she's so amazing she loses herself in this character but like i said sort of the way that melissa mccarthy does her thing she really makes it her own um it's in english i know it sounds like it's a foreign film it's not um i highly recommend everybody watch it it's really fascinating it's shot in a really cool way um the the cinematographer decided to shoot it in academy aspect ratio four by three so it would have that sort of vhs feel to it um 
And yeah, a, a female cinematographer, by the way, too, Crystal Foreigner. Um, and just really awesome movie full of awesome music and, you know, sad, funny, uh, hits all the right notes. You know, I suffered hunger as a child during the building blockade. Then later I started muddling and I had to be always on a diet. <laughs> it was terrible. I love eating so much. Nico, you made a big mess tonight. Ah, oh, well, I got me a band of amateur junkies. Mm. They're all amateurs, except for the violinist. She's good. Why don't you replace them? No, it's not easy to find people who want to play with me. For me, I think the, the main one is, it has to be eighth grade. Um, oh, yeah. Because, fuck, Bo Burnham has created a movie that just, like, fuck, uh, again, a punch in the face of just, like, emotion. Like, I don't know how a movie with, like, it in, like, such low stakes in, in, in general, but, like, feels so emotionally thrilling and, like, you care so much. What Elsie Fisher is doing in this movie is amazing um from like the minute you see her like shooting her youtube videos and going gucci um <laughs> to her you know wearing her like little one piece green bathing suit it's uh it's a, a, the, a the bathing suit scene is horror level movie uncomfortable yeah and i will and i will admit a lot a little bit of it made me uncomfortable because i was like oh we're like lingering on preteens a little too much but i mean it's clearly from her viewpoint and so mm -hmm. I, I think it's okay, but I was just still like, Ugh, please stop. But I think that's part of the whole thing is it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Right, because when you're that age and you like haven't seen that many bodies, much less want to look at your own, you're like, oh, God. Like, and it's all just so uncomfortable. And so I love that movie so much. What's your name again? Kayla. Right, Kayla. Hey, so we just opened our pool. Shush. We just opened our pool and we are going to have our first big summer pool party tomorrow to celebrate Kennedy's birthday. It's going to be so much fun, right, Kennedy? Hi. Yeah. Oh, you should come. It's going to be a blast. Kennedy will invite you on Facebook. Right, Kennedy? Everyone uses Facebook. Anyway, do you think you can come or? Oh, I mean, uh, maybe. I I'll try, but, you know, probably not. Oh, no, no, you should come. It's going to be a blast. But don't forget to thank your dad for me, okay? Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna, we'll see you tomorrow maybe, or? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll try, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to, I just don't know if I can. Oh, no, no, you'll be there. Okay, see you tomorrow. Say goodbye, Kennedy. Bye. Bye. I will be um, a bad gay um, for not at least mentioning A Star is Born. Um, <laughs> I, I, the movie is not perfect this is at the, all. This is the one that we are completely split on. I fucking hated that movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is i mean i don't think it's a perfect movie but holy christ the end of the movie when gaga looks directly at us bitch talk about nerve bradley <laughs> cooper said i want you to look into the, the fucking camera crying just like finishing your whitney houston belt like love song i was shaken okay <laughs> well good for you <laughs> good for me 
That yeah. was actually- I, no, I, I, and I like, I'm not, I'm not coming here to fight. I just, I do not see what is so special about that movie. And I'm not saying that as a purist about the, about it being a remake. I've never seen any version of a star is born except for maybe the pseudo remake up close and personal starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert Redford, which I saw for our Robert Redford episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I've never seen any of the ones that are actually named a star is born. So it's not because I'm like, Oh, it's not faithful. Like I just didn't like it. I just, and I don't think it's that well directed. Um, there's a, a very gross moment of foreshadowing, like right up front in the movie that I was just like, why don't you just like, you know, flash signs in front of the audience to tell the like, I don't know. People keep talking about the first half. They're like, Oh, the first half's so good. First half is fine. Wow. Gavin. <laughs> wow. Gavin. <laughs> Wow, 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 Gavin. Wow, um, wow, a, mo- wow. a movie that we saw together, actually, that I thought had a lot of nerve, that I liked a lot. Annihilation, that ending with yes. like just yeah, like yeah. the dancing and the music. Super nervy. Yeah, Loved I it. liked Annihilation. I do like Annihilation. Yeah, and so... Um, um, and it's the been, favorite. And it's been a really interesting year for some of the people that we've done previous episodes on. You know, yeah, Natalie sure. Portman didn't just have Annihilation come out. She also had Box Lux come out. Um, Charlize Theron had... Uh, um, Tully. Tully, which I think was a really amazing movie and actually is pretty high up in my, in my top films. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's been others. Jane Fonda finally had her documentary come out, Jane Fonda and five acts, uh, yep. which I just watched, which was really great. Um, yeah. So I like, I think I'm happy to see other people building on their careers as well in a way that not that, not that Jane Fonda, I guess needs to really build on her career, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, to, to see these other movies come out. I didn't love Vox Lux, but I, I appreciated it. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah, sure. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get out of here. Let's do our fast forward. Okay. So Louis, what, what are you looking forward to in the next year? What are you hoping for? Okay, I am basic, and I was one of the gays that loved Avengers, um, Infinity War. Like, <laughs> I, the, the movie's like 10 hours long, and I was like, give me more. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested to see how 2019 wraps up all Avengers things. Um, I'm even more interested in to see, like, ushering in more heroes of color and maybe of queerness perhaps who knows fingers crossed um so i'll be interested to see like marvel now has 10 fucking full years of making you know um straight white movies maybe we can like move on from that um and um what else I mean, and also i like like we kind of mentioned just like keeping up this um feeling this need for standing out from the crowd um and not making i mean i think i think it's just like hollywood's realizing it's just more profitable you know people have to like there has to be something about your movie that is going to make people want to like go out and see it you know um and it's not just going to get lost in the shuffle right um a lot of i mean because even when you think of like first man that i I actually pretty like I, i liked pretty well but like it was no one wants to see this like fucking boring, you know, right. dude movie. It's just like it's just not gonna happen. That movie was technically very brilliant, but like not really nervy, you know. There was nothing, there's nothing really to say there, you right. know. Um, as opposed to if you could talk, like that would just look, you know, ugh, luscious. Um, Absolutely. 
and and, uh, and took the chance of being you know this inherently black story with an inherently black cast um yeah. And also, I think one thing from 2018 that I loved was that um, it took these two Asian movies, um, Crazy Rich Asians and Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before, to like fully do CPR on the rom-com in America. And, right. and, and they were both huge hits. Um, they both have sequels coming out. Um, I don't know when, but soon, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and also just like giving platforms for amazing Asian actors to, um, you know, put themselves out there. Like Constance Wu now is an A-lister. So I'm also looking forward to maybe um, Hollywood being like, oh, we can make a profitable rom-com. Um, maybe if we just don't fucking have like boring white people doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I can't really argue with anything you just said. I think, you know, I... Um, and then in addition to that, uh, you know, besides just being more stories about non-white dudes, uh, more non-white dudes behind the camera, more totally. people of color behind the camera, more queer people behind the camera. Um, and I mean, once again, I mean that from every position from, from, you know, lighting design to craft services. And I know I said that before about a different thing, but that's 100% more female directors, more queer directors, more Asian directors, more, you know, any color, just, I, it can't be an old boys club anymore. It just yeah. can't. And the, and the most interesting films I saw this year were not about the old boys club. were not made by the old boys club. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that. It's funny because I remember the moment when, um, crazy rich Asians came out and then like the week later searching came out the John Cho movie Yes, and, yeah, and yeah. they were, and they were one and two at the box office and John Cho tweeted like, this is fucking historic. Like, I can't believe there are two Asian fronted cast movies that are at the top of the box office making good money. Like searching did not make crazy rich Asians money, but it was very profitable. Um, and that was just like a delight to see. Not to mention, we didn't talk a lot about the Black Panther phenomenon, but no, it was it, a phenomenon. And it was huge and deservedly so. Um, one of the best superhero movies of the year. So Yeah. 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 And, then, and, and then, then like the, the two best superhero movies of the year are that and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which right. are superhero movies about people of color. Exactly. And that's not by accident. Right. Well, I think that's that sort of wraps things up. You know, 20, 2018 was a year of nerve. 2019... A, a diverse year of nerve. That's yeah, what we go, want. <laughs> let's go with that. Um, so yeah. So uh, thank you, Louis, for everything that you do. So sorry that I made you do this over the internet. Um, <laughs> but but as we mentioned before, we're the Mixed Reviews, and you can find us all sorts of places online. If you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at the Mixed Reviews. We're also on Facebook. Just type in the Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail .com. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, um, Spotify, Spotify uh, iHeartMedia, I mean, iHeart, well, the iHeartRadio app, and, uh, you know, anywhere that you basically get your podcasts. Also, if you listen to us on Stitcher or iTunes, please rate and review us. A five-star review would be absolutely nice because every review and rating that is left for us make sure that we can be found by more and more audiences and we just want to grow. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I, I think we're going to have a good year of podcasting, Gavin. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, Louie. 
Cool, great. Um, then I will see you in New York whenever you're done just crisscrossing the country, okay? Absolutely. I will be back in New York very soon, um, in a couple weeks, and uh, well, I will see you then. All right. Until Bye, then. guys. Thanks. Bye-bye.